Luke 16, 10 through 13. And uh, reading says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust in the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And I'm going to turn back to uh, Zechariah 4.10, which simply says, For who hath despised the day of small things? Good question. For all they shall rejoice. For they shall rejoice and see the plummet and the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Or in other words, God's eyes are on the days and small things. I'd like to, uh, with the Lord's help, speak to us this morning on the value of small things. So let's, uh, let's give the Lord a prayer. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for your word. Lord, speak through me this morning. Lord, let our hearts be open, be fertile ground, that your word go forth and take root. Oh, that it grow and bear fruit, Lord. Help us this morning. Help me, Lord God, to deliver this as you would have it. In Jesus' name, I give you the honor and the glory and the praise. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Jesus' name, you may be seated. The value of small things. Zechariah is saying, he says, for who hath despised the day of the small things, but really we could flip it and to say the same thing in another word is, do not despise the day of small things. And then in Luke, it's, it's saying, be faithful in the small things. Otherwise, you will not achieve the great things. Um, there, I don't know if uh, any of you have listened to this speech, but there was an Admiral McRaven. He's an admiral from the Navy SEALs, U.S. Navy SEALs, and he did a uh, college graduation speech, and he started off the day, the, his speech with, if you want to change the world, make your bed. And he goes through of... The lesson of, of making your bed is a, a first, first success in the morning. And as you go through, he said, it, it just continues with successes as you go through the day. And, and he said, and if you don't succeed in the small things, he said, he said, you will never succeed in the big things. And this is Navy SEAL, Bud's Camp, you know, just 101, right? So uh, even the world already acknowledges small things are important to get the big things. Um, back in 2015, when we were in South Africa, um, 
we were holding a, a service in the ghetto, and Pastor was the one preaching that service. It was an awesome experience, awesome experience. Um, the ghetto was about four-story high-rise, red brick buildings, um, your stereotypical apartment complex type of a thing, but they were just oriented in a yard, and we, we picked the end of one of these uh, complexes to host our service. And one of the, the, the cool things that happened, I don't know if you remember this, bro, but there was a, a, one, of the, one of the ghetto apartments was off a, a ways, it seemed like, about 100 yards off. And pastors are preaching away. And this lady's hanging out the top window, and she's hollering, preach it, brother, preach it. That was that was an awesome experience, but but what happened thereafter? Um, I don't know if you know this story, bro. But after this the service, um, I was walking around in the yard and socializing with people, and I, and I found a five cent piece. Um, now in South Africa, I know a five cent piece isn't worth a whole lot, but it still holds a value. It's a small thing but it holds value. And I picked it up, and there was a mother with a little girl walking by, and I just, being friendly, walked over to the little girl, and I said, would you like this five-cent piece? You know, would you like this? And her mother turned to me and scowled at me and said, what would she want that for? It's worthless. And in that moment, I got hit very deep. And I thought, man, you're living, this is an individual living in the ghetto, right? I'm not condemning the lady from where she was, but where she was at, you would think every penny would be worth something. But she scowled at a five-cent piece and said, what would she want to do with a five-cent piece? And to her point, she's right, five-cent piece couldn't buy anything but if you compound it every time you see a five cent piece or a one cent piece or any kind of piece on the ground you pick it up it compounds and eventually you get half a dollar then a dollar and then two dollars and so on until all of a sudden you have power you have purchasing power and that really hit me in that moment of, of, wow, how can you not value the small things? How can you not value the small things? And so, in our spiritual life, I think sometimes we may be guilty of this as well, is, man, we love the Sunday shout-out services. We love the blow-out services. We we love the, the conferences and the camp meetings, the services that, man, God changed my life. The earth, it, it felt like the earth underneath me was shaken. God moved so mightily in that place. But what about the everyday walk with God? You know, what about, you know, I don't want to... It sounds kind of negative to say the mundane of every day, but or the as you 
may refer to it in your walk, uh, in your, your workplaces, the daily grind, you know, so to speak. But there's times where we hit a season of frustration, right, where you can look around you and say, man, brother and so-and-so, God is moving them. Sister so-and-so, did you see what God just did for them, where they're at? And you're just looking around and you say, but I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the same spot. I'm doing everything. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading the word of God. I'm, I'm doing everything. I, I'm, I'm following the rules, so to speak. And I'm, I'm walking with God. I'm seeking after God. But almost it, to a certain extent, it, it feels like you're riding solo. You're not. I mean, you're not really, but you can walk into a crowded room and feel alone and say, hey, where am I? What's going on? Um, as I'm sure you all are well aware, uh, South Africa was a huge, huge, life-changing, big cash-in moment, if you would say, uh, for me. Um, but what most of you don't know is the story before and after. You see... I was in a place of frustration before South Africa. Um, I was 20, 26, 27 years old, and I was doing everything that I knew to do. Excuse me. I was doing everything I knew to do. I was working in the church. Um, I mean, I was the sound guy. I was... <laughs> setting up the the music i was actually picking the music and playing the music um because we were doing music videos for our our worship service we didn't have uh, a music team um i mean i was the usher i i was doing everything but at the same time i felt like man you can walk into a crowded room and feel alone and i was like god what's going on Brother Green came and ministered to us, and just like per usual of the way God uses Brother Green to speak into people's life, Brother Green wrote, read my mail right there. Um, and I was like, oh. And he pointed out the season of frustration because I didn't understand what this season of frustration is. Uh, all I know is that I'm walking and doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm feeling like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not gaining any ground. I'm I'm just maintaining. Life is passing by, and I'm watching people around me get married, get jobs, move up in the kingdom, succeed, have families. Um, but I'm just me, just sitting here. And Brother Green pointed out that season of frustration, and, and so I was like, okay. And he he invited me to the, the trip to South Africa, but... In this time, I saw people moving ahead, but I also saw people giving up. I saw some people that were also in seasons of frustration. That they chose, you know what? I'm seeing people around me move by. So I'm, instead of moving up, Instead of maintaining with God, I'm going to choose to move up with the world. 
and they moved on. They backslid. And then um, I didn't have this in my message last night, but this morning it, God put it in, and I feel it right now, so I'm going to continue with this. I had a friend, and he wasn't in church, but I went to school with him. Um, after high school, we would get together at least three times a week um, during the summer to play ultimate frisbee. And in preparation for South Africa, during this this season of, of preparing, which it's a spiritual it's a spiritual trial for certain. Um, you go through through some trials to test yourself if you if you're seeking God. And um, this young man opted to end his life. And it, it threw in such confusion to me. And I was sitting. It was, it was the most, I mean, I've, I've been to several funerals, as I'm sure everyone here has. If you, as life goes on, that's a fact of life. You lose loved ones, friends. But never had I been to a funeral that impacted me in such a way. This is, this is someone that I was close to. And what had I done to reach out to him? What had I done to share God's love to him? I sat in a, in a cr- crowded cathedral. It was a Catholic, a Catholic funeral, and, I mean, the place was packed out. He was a, a life-loving young man, full of energy, and it just did not make sense. And, of course, I reached out to Brother Green. I said, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for this trip, but what's going on? I, this, this kid's maybe mid-20s and just committed suicide. He's my friend, and, and it, it's hurting me. This is a rough walk. This is a rough trial. Brother Green, message back, stay faithful. Keep going. You're not done yet. You're still in the season of frustration. You're still in the season of small things. South Africa comes and goes. Wow. Earth-shaking, life-changing, mind-blowing. I had seen and experienced things that I had never experienced in my walk with God my entire life. It was awesome. It was powerful. Of course, the situation with the the coin happened. And... I get back home, <laughs> and South Africa's in the past. I'm back into the everyday walk with God, the, the season of small things. I'm walking, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to be faithful to God, and yet... I'm still seeing people moving ahead, seeing some people fall away, struggle. And then my dad got a call. And actually yesterday, um, yesterday, I saw a post 
of this lady. This was a family that had been coming to our church. Um, they'd moved on, and the mother of this young man reached out to my dad, and she said, hey, um, Pastor Mike, she said, my son was found dead on the side of the highway. He had committed suicide. And she, she said, would you mind hosting a memorial service for him? And man, again, I mean, I, I'd had a, I lost a friend before, I lost a friend after. But this friend wasn't just any other friend too. This friend, his, him and his mother were born and raised South Africans. And I had never heard Afrikaans until Africa. And my dad agreed, and, and again, the, the questions start hitting like, God, what's going on? You know, what's happening? Uh, I, Brother Green, when he spoke to me, God, God spoke through Brother Green that I was in a room full of closed doors, and there was going to be an open door, and I was going to recognize it and run for it. And I went to Africa fully expecting to find an open door. It didn't happen. My, my season of small things, my day of small things wasn't over. And here, my dad agreed up to do the memorial service, and here, this South African lady was standing in the front of our church. And she sang Amazing Grace in South Africans, in Africans, which is the language commonly spoken in South Africa. And, and I sat there listening to this, wondering, God, what is going on with this season of frustration? And then, obviously, as I kind of alluded to earlier on the trip, I met a good friend. Actually, I met a whole lot of good friends, but one in particular. And the season of frustration, I'm like, oh, what's going on? And I get this call from Pastor. And he says, hey, bro, um, we're having this thing that we call Regeneration Weekend. So I'd like to, to have the South Africa team come and, and, and help minister in this, in this uh, weekend of revival services. And, and I was like, I'm there, bro. I'm excited for this because I'm looking for an open door. <laughs> I'm looking to see what does God want me to do? Where does God want me to be? What, what's going on? My season of frustration has been many years. This isn't just something that just happened. I mean, I went through high school, went through college, got a job. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting my late 20s, right? <laughs> and I'm looking and like, what is going on? If God can use me, let me pour something out. So we came down, and in that, that is when God just opened up so many things. And here I am. And here I am. Let's see. And so that, that's my story of my, my season of frustration. Believe me, since I have moved to Georgia, I have still had some seasons of frustration. But in all of that, I came down here to pour out for the 
the regeneration weekend, but God poured so much in. And I said that on the last night. I said, I came down here to minister, to be used of God, but God has blessed me far more than what I could have put out. And so, let me follow this here for a moment. Well, and so for that is, is in my, my walk, I, I saw people getting big things. And I, I don't claim to be anywhere in a big thing right now. I, I don't. Um, but at the same time, I'm a lot further than what I was. So through that, kind of like what Zechariah said, is, is we, we shouldn't despise the day of the small things, but, but be faithful in them. And so last Sunday, um, last Sunday we were on our way to church, and I saw something that since I have moved to Georgia, I learned. I, I did not know this before, but um, how many of you know or, or know what mistletoe actually is, how it grows, all that? Does anybody? Okay, when I moved to Georgia, I had no clue. I had no clue, and then when I was just about a year ago, um, I was working at RWDC, and my boss informed me about this mistletoe. Apparently, if you're a natural-born Georgia boy, you already know this, <laughs> but I didn't know. Um, I didn't know what mistletoe was, and I said to my wife on our way uh, way to church, I said to Mabel, um, I said, you know, isn't it strange that you can go through your whole life seeing something, but not seeing something. Like, I had never seen mistletoe. I had seen it, but I'd never seen it. You understand? Like, I'd seen trees, and I saw squirrel nests, but I'd never acknowledged mistletoe. And once I was informed about it, I see it everywhere. It's, it is literally everywhere. And as mistletoe goes, it, is, it, it has small white berries. And the birds like to eat the white berries. And then um, the berries are very sticky, and they have little tiny seeds in them. And the berry will get stuck on the bird's beak. They'll fly to a branch, clean their beak on the branch, and their beak will cut the bark and put in that seed. And thus, you get another mistletoe plant. And the way the mistletoe grows is it sends out a root system into the tree and sucks the life from the host plant. So it is parasitic in nature. Another time in my life that... Um, my eyes have been opened to something, so to speak, is, is up in Minnesota, again, a, a good friend of mine. Um, he was, he, he still is to this day, he is a, an outdoorsman. I mean, I, I like to claim myself as an outdoorsman. This guy, his, the inside of his house is kind of like a log cabin. He's got mounted turkeys and deer and, I mean, it, it's an outdoorsman home. It's nice. <laughs> what I call nice. Some people might not agree, but 
it, it is a very nice setup, and it's out in the country. And he, um, I, I had wanted to start making maple syrup, but there's a there's a catch with maple syrup. In the summertime, and in the springtime, you can walk and go. Ah, there's a maple tree. There's a maple tree. There's a maple tree because everybody knows what a maple leaf looks like. I mean, it's on the Canadian flag. If you don't know, that leaf in the middle, <laughs> that's, that's maple leaf. So it's very easy to say, hey, that's a maple leaf. But that's when everything's alive and booming and rocking, right? But there's a season where the sweetness actually happens that you can't just look and say, hey, that's a maple leaf or a maple tree. You have to know the more intricate parts of a tree. And so I went to my friend. I said, hey, can you help me out? I'm like, I want to get into this maple syrup thing, but I have no idea how to find a maple tree. I mean, I walk in the woods, and I'm like, there's a gray tree, and there's a gray tree, and there's a gray tree. There's a whole lot of gray trees <laughs> and no leaves. So how do I know where I can get sweet from? <clears throat> and so he took me out to the woods, and we walked from tree to tree, and he showed me, he said, you see this here? This tree's got rough bark, and you look up in, into the branches, and the, it's gnarly and, and just kind of mm, looking. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying. And he said, well, that's an oak tree. That's an oak tree. It, it's, it's got meat to it. It's, it's tough but it's gnarly. It's not extremely attractive. <coughs> and then, he said, and then you see this one over here. This tree, look at the bark. Look closely. It's, it's bark has diamond shapes all up and down it. He said, this is an ash tree. Oh, okay. And then he brought me to the maple tree. He said, this Looks similar to an ash, but the, the bark has a little bit of a darker hue to it. It's got lines. This is what you're looking for. And man, once your eyes are open to what a maple tree looks like without leaves, you can be standing in the middle of the woods and just go through and be like, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, without any leaves on it. Your eyes have been open. And so, I learned two things. I've learned... Something that, that can cause damage, it can be harmful, and I learned something that, that could produce sweetness. It could bring, bring something sweet, but for the sweetness, there is a season and a time for it. So in our, our walk, we've got seasons of small things. We've got days of small things, but despise not. You see, winter is bitter and cold. But out of the winter, out of the bitter and cold, comes something so sweet. It's maple syrup. Something so bitter and so long and so, it can be frustrating in our spiritual walk. Don't, don't. God doesn't send you through trials just for the fun of it. You're going to come out sweeter. You're going to come out better. You're going to come out with something that you didn't have before. Your eyes are going to be open to things. You can, you'll be able to look out and say, hey, that's harmful. 
I need to watch out for that. You're going to be able to look out and say, hey, that is something sweet. I need to cling on to that. I need to take it and use it. So God prepares us. God does these things for us, but he doesn't just do it for you. It is for you, most certainly. God wants you to have the best. God wants you to be the best. But he puts pours into us so that we can pour out. I have a, um, another scripture here, and I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up here. Um, I have another scripture. is Matthew 25, it's, uh, 34 through 40. And I'll try to read off the screen. And it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer unto him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave ye drink? And when saw we the stranger, or took you in naked and clothed thee? Um, it's going to say, or when we saw you sick or in prison and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The point I want to make there is, again, God takes us through days of small things. Despise them not. Don't let bitterness take root in these moments. Don't let, don't let the hurt weigh you down. Don't let this trial weigh you down. <coughs> because God is building you up, and he is preparing you for something greater for you, but he's preparing you for something greater for others. What are we pouring out? Are we sending out the love of God? Are we sharing the sweetness that we have have done. I know I made maple syrup, brought it down here for for Pastor and his family, and I I shared the sweetness. Yes, Mama liked it in her coffee. I do believe so. And so, but but in all of this, I, I'm going to close with this scripture here, and it's going to be First um, Corinthians three six through eight. It says, "This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he says, I have planted." Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. <coughs> now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Be humble. Be faithful. Despise not the day of small things. God is bringing you to a point where he's going to use you. Despise it not. Be faithful. But as Paul writes here, I am nothing. It is he who is in me. So let's go ahead and, and stand for a time.